and welcome back to They Made Another One? Where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And despite the evil and twisted machinations of the animal gods and those who work for them, we've escaped the clutches of Dunstan, we've gotten away from the electricity wizard Clancy Brown, mostly, and we're back to finally record a new episode. This episode, as we mentioned previously, will be on Toy Story 4. It is our second run at this episode, but before we get into the film, we've got some housekeeping to get out of the way. Like we said, last week was a bit of a mess. I was trapped in a hotel with a very upset Dunstan who uh, was not pleased with me. And Liam, you are calling in from a safe house on a cell phone again. Can you tell me how you've ended up in a cell phone predicament for the second week in a row? Well, like I said last week, uh, the computer just got bugged so bad by Clancy Brown and his electricity powers. Um, I mean, that's, that's what I assume, you know, the computer just stopped working. And so who else could it be? Uh, with all this Animal Month stuff going on lately. And eventually just all the appliances in my house started acting up. The microwave door would swing open and the light would stay on. And the fridge would swing open and kind of like waddle toward me on the kitchen floor. And um, So you got a little drill. bit like maximum overdrive? <laughs> yes, it has very much been maximum overdrive, which is really confusing me because we didn't even do that movie. Like if we had done that, I would I would sort of understand. So I don't exactly know what's going on it might be the universe telling us to do maximum overdrive but that's not we have to wait for stephen king to remake that or something universe that's not how we do it here anyway do they want us really to remake bad. that i don't know yeah that might be it uh but yeah I, I had to take off from my house it got way too bad um and ever since there's just been vehicles coming after me on the road and so i've had to retreat to a safe house i'm on the road on the run and uh, where I am right now, there is no electronic devices besides the phone I'm using right now, which has uh, luckily been free of any interruptions so far because it's a uh, Apple phone. And as everyone knows, those uh, those don't get bugged. They have no viruses. So I've been safe for now. But uh, until I can get my own Apple computer sponsored by Apple, this episode um, <laughs> brought to you by you know, Apple. I I might have to uh, to keep calling in here, and uh, you know, as they say, uh, you can check out from Dunstan's hotel, but you can never leave. And so, I think they might be on my tail for the rest of my life. But we're gonna do our best, and uh, hopefully, I'll have a laptop soon that Clancy Brown cannot get his grimy paws on. Yeah, we've effectively become the Bonnie and Clyde of bad movie sequel podcasts, um, where we've been forced to sort of leave the comforts of reasonable sounding microphones and not being attacked by monkeys or orangutans or whatever Dunstan's deal is. I think he would shapeshift from time to time. We've been getting Cujoed and Wizard and all of these things, but it does make us a little bit similar to the cast of Toy Story 4, who is also on the run from uh, their responsibilities and uh, how they feel as a person. And Woody is really going through some shit. So like Woody, we're also going through some shit and there's no better time to talk about Toy Story 4. Dear the Academy of Great Segways, I'm expecting my trophy in the mail. Um, Toy Story 4 was directed by Josh Cooley, who worked on Inside Out, was written by Andrew Stanton and Stephanie Folsom. The story credit is eight entire living human beings, which is absolutely fucking insane. And uh, classic as always, the music is by Randy Newman. So before we get into Toy Story 4 here, um, Liam... We've talked a little bit about this already. We'll peel the curtain back a little bit before our lives got thrown into upheaval and the chase, as, as we'll call it. We did try to record this episode. We have talked a little bit about this already, but if you could give me a quick rundown of your sort of experience with the Toy Story franchise. Yeah, so the Toy Story franchise is one that I've, uh, that I've carried with me all my life, really. Um, those first two movies were out and about... Uh, you know, before I was really cognizant that I was a human being. And so once I uh, once I came to fruition and I started watching <laughs> movies of my own, Toy Story 1 and 2 were already there on VHS tape. And so I've seen those movies a bunch of times. And by the time Toy Story 3 came out uh, in 2010, um, I had sort of grown away from the Pixar thing. And I uh, wasn't watching Toy Story as often because... Uh, 
DVDs existed and illegal streaming existed, so I wasn't just uh, stuck with the movies I owned on videotape. Um, so Toy Story 3 came out, and I was sort of um, in the perfect demographic for someone who felt like they had grown out of the Toy Story movies and was revisiting old friends from their past and checking them out. You know, I wasn't going into university at the time, which is uh, what the character of Andy is doing, but I was going into high school. I felt like I was like an independent person now. I felt like a man. I was like 13 and my parents couldn't tell me what to do and um, I was on my own and so I went to see Toy Story 3 with my dad. Ironically, it looks like your parents can't tell you what to do. (laughs) No, it was it was an ironic outing with my dad. I was like, dad, you have to come see this movie with me. My dad doesn't like to go to movies, so this isn't like a an activity we do together. My dad doesn't like to leave the house, but I was like, dad, we need to close the circle tie all these loose ends you need to go see toy story 3 with me and uh we'll have a moment and um it's true we did i loved the movie it felt like um closure on some sort of chapter in my life and um from that point on i was i was able to leave the toy story movies uh comfortably in my past i'm not sure if i've seen any of them since 2010 and by the time uh toy story 4 came out i felt like the book was so closed that I thought there was no reason to reopen it. So the idea of Toy Story 4 didn't interest me all that much. I had grown even further away from Pixar. And so I hadn't checked out Toy Story 4 until this podcast. Yeah, I think we're very much on the same kind of page where Toy Story movies were prominent when we were really young. And then the the third one sort of closed that loop, like you're saying. Similarly to how you feel about not really wanting to reopen that uh, Toy Story 4 was not something that was planned initially. Um, per the Wikipedia page, there were rumors circling in 2013 that it was going to come around, and uh, Disney denied that, and then it got announced in 2014. So it didn't take long for the uh, the interest to circuit again. And uh, John Lasseter, who directed the first two films, EP to the third, was writing a treatment in 2014 per an investor's call. In 2015... Uh, the film was described as sort of a romantic comedy of sorts. And at that point, Rashida Jones and Will McCormack had joined as writers. They later left in 2017, citing philosophical differences. And then in 2018, a screenplay had been written by Stephanie Folsom, who rewrote about 75% of the movie. Um, so it's had a really kind of checkered past. And I think it seems like a bit of an anomaly because... Toy Story 3 really did kind of close the chapter on that story for the people who would have lived with it and grown up with it and experienced it sort of on the same arc that Andy's character does. I think that, like you said, we were part of that. I also haven't revisited Toy Story. It's not something that I remember very well, frankly. Um, It's not something that has played like this huge impactful thing in my life. Maybe... Um, this is the part where like my parents would correct me and they'd be like, no, you watched that movie like a billion times. And it's like, well, if I did, I don't remember, but it's true. Don't, don't you love when your parents do that? When they're like, yo, do you remember doing this thing when you were a kid? Like, oh, I'm so glad we did that. It must've meant so much to you. And you're like, yeah, yeah totally. I don't remember that, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for doing that parents. I too love cherished memories. <laughs> like yeah. just speaking about it in the vaguest possible terms. Cause you're like, yeah that one you yeah. got it dude <laughs> like, yeah and really like your memories are just like playing Yu-Gi-Oh at school with your friends and stuff it's like uh, yeah you guys were my parents like you guys bought me the Yu-Gi-Oh cards thanks for that yeah i blocked out all the good memories i had from like the years four and five so i could make room for the fact that when we were playing wall ball one time in elementary school i threw it off the edge of the roof but didn't get it stuck up there really needed all the brain real estate for that one (laughs) um so don't let your parents listen to this episode yeah this one's strictly off limits folks sorry um this one's for uh true fans only (laughs) This is the VIP feed. We're opening a Patreon starting today. You gotta pay for this one. And and, uh, the only thing that our Patreon says is no parents allowed. Yeah. Um, And also, you can't have any electronics in your room as you're listening to this because I'm scared there's someone spying on me. Yeah, because uh, that's how Clancy Brown will find... He will triangulate your position in the safe house and you'll have to get back um, on a shitty city bus and try to get out of Dodge. 
But before we get too caught up in our personal woes, we can take a look here at the cast of Toy Story 4, get a little bit into Toy Story 4 itself. It's illustrious, as Liam already knows. The cast list is very long. Um, I'm going to read it real, real fast. And I'm going to include everybody, I guess, out of respect. So here we go. As fast as you can. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Annie Potts, Tony Hale, Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele, Madeline McGraw, Christina Hendricks, Keanu Reeves, Ali Mackey, Jay Hernandez, Lori Allen, Joan Cusack, Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberger, Blake Clark, Don Rickles, Estelle Harris, Jeff Pigeon, Bonnie Hunt, Christian Shaw, Timothy Dalton, Jeff Garland, John Morris, Lori Metcalf, June Squibb, and then we have cameos from Carl Weathers and Mel Brooks, Carol Burnett, Betty White, Carl Reiner, Alan Oppenheimer, there are also small roles for Patricia Arquette, Bill Hader, Ricky Henderson, Lilla Sage Bromley, Steve Purcell, and Juliana Hansen. However, Liam, this is something that we briefly discussed, but I think it's important that we get to it very quickly. So, there's two people that we've covered a lot on this program. This movie unites them both. Um, one of them is Tim Allen. We've talked about Tim Allen. Probably more than anybody realistically needs to talk about Tim Allen, and Tim Allen has returned. The Tool Man is here. There's someone else in this movie that we've talked about before, weirdly. Do you remember who that person is? Dude, I remember, and I've been thinking about it a lot since you told me. I've had a lot of time to myself uh, this last week as I've been traversing the streets of uh, whatever city I'm on the run in. <laughs> of and, of um, parts unknown. It, it must just be this dude's M.O. to like take movies of beloved franchises. Maybe he's just trying to get a part in like every franchise he himself has loved you know like he's gonna show up in the new halloween movie or something because he just wants he's reached a place where he can he's gonna show up in brahms the boy too yeah 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 um so for anybody who may not have noticed this there is a very small voice cameo uh during a duke kaboom commercial uh from none other than our favorite boy flea from the red hot chili peppers of back to the future three who you fame. will remember from back to the future three i guess he just likes to get in on franchises when they're basically done yeah i mean that's just that's the that's the guy yeah and um it was important to me to make sure that everyone knew that because i think now him or tim allen are in the running for podcast mascot and i'm strongly leaning toward flea <laughs> uh well you know what let's just say whichever one pops up next again That'll be the guy. It's the most impartial way to do it because I'm voting for Tim Allen and uh, I think that we're not going to be able to compromise on this one. So no. which, whichever guy comes up first, that's who it'll be. And we will not screen movies for their appearances. Like it has to be organic as fuck. <clears throat> it's true. It's true. Otherwise, I would just demand that we do. Uh, fuck, I actually don't. Yeah, know what's your Tim joke, Liam? Please filmography. That's why, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm so surprised we keep coming across them, right? Because I'm not. Uh, well versed in either of their works i would have known fleas in toy story 4 otherwise yeah so i'm not going to google it i don't want to spoil the fun so we'll just figure that out as time goes on so let's get into toy story 4 here so we know generally that people didn't want to make it until disney decided they wanted to make it i don't know if you've heard anybody really talk about this movie since it came out it's probably the only movie that we've ever done and will ever do that has won an academy award recently it won the best animated feature prize really quick i do want to ask have you heard people talk about toy story 4 since it came out at all i haven't no um some of the new release film podcasts i listened to did an episode on it the week it came out because it's just it's the biggest movie that came out that week um but i haven't checked those episodes out and um i don't think the film popped up again on their top 10 lists that i listened to or anything i certainly haven't heard my friends talk about it my friends who uh you know like pixar movies and we talk about movies a lot they've seen toy story as kids uh it hasn't come up in that conversation so i've kind of forgotten that it exists i'm sure i certainly forgot that it came out just this last year i mean it feels pretty far in the rearview mirror honestly yeah. uh Especially, like, I just watched it a couple weeks ago, and it already feels kind of like a distant memory to me. Yeah, so with that in mind, do you know how much money this movie made? Oh, I, I, uh, yeah, I can can guess it it popped off. It had to cross the one billion mark. It did, 
And that's fucking crazy to me. And I feel like it's emblematic of just sort of the the media climate we're in at this point because a movie can make a billion dollars and you can forget about it immediately because everything just moves too fucking fast. Like, it blows my mind that this movie made over a billion dollars. It's true, and it, it just shows you how much stuff there is out there, too. You know, we move so fast because there's always a new thing to get to, and there's just there's so much stuff out there that, like, I can't occupy the space that I used to occupy. You know, back 10 years ago when a new Pixar movie came out, it felt like it was in the conversation for uh, months and months, and... Um, uh, that's just that was the movie to talk about, and now there's just so much stuff out there that we're on to the next thing, and I'm just so disconnected from a lot of these conversations that are happening. It, uh, you know, I imagine a lot of that money comes from kids, and there's a lot of kids out there. It's true, and and uh, kids are into some really weird stuff, and I forget that like anything I'm not into has a fan base. Like it's sort of the same reason I've never like seen. The Star Wars movies, like everyone talks about Star Wars and I know that it actually like must exist. But to me, Star Wars movies as full length movies like aren't a real thing. Like it's just something people talk about, like because I've never seen them. It's right. hard to imagine it's abstract. that they are actually out there. It's it's I thought the same thing about Spielberg movies uh, until I until I decided to check some of those out <laughs> recently. And so I think we're one, gradually correcting on this podcast. Yeah. And uh so when it comes to Toy Story 4, it just makes me think like how big the world is and how much of an audience there is out there. I have some nephews and they watch YouTube all the time. And there's this kid on YouTube named Ryan, yep. Ryan Toys I know, Reviews. I know who this is, yeah. And I, I saw him playing on the TV um, four or five times in a row on like on five different occasions. And eventually I just, I had to look this kid up. I was like, why is this dude always on the TV? And I look him up and it turns out he's like the highest earning kid person on YouTube. Millions of dollars. Yeah. And I read, I had never heard of it. And, uh, it's just, it's crazy that stuff can just be so successful. And, uh, the world is just a, it's, it's a big, big place and it's moving so quick. And, uh, I can't feel my arms and one day we're all going to die, you know. It's true. Um, and I'm going to be the kind of person who dies after having a lightsaber on their desk because I'm one of those Star Wars people you were talking about. But even I feel like I'm not completely, I, I am incapable of keeping up with that just because there's so much. Like there's just stuff I haven't seen. I'm like, I'll never see it. Um, really big fan of Stranger Things. When season three came out, I was not at a point where I had free time to like sit down and watch it. And I just keep kicking that can down the road. And I've already had like the major reveal of season four spoiled for me. A thing that's not out yet. And the arc of season three spoiled for me. That thing came out like eight fucking months ago. Yeah. And it's like, well, we devoured that in a week and we're on to the next thing. So it's weird. It feels like we've been in this prolonged period after a transition from when things could remain in that culturally relevant conversation to when they can't. And I think that... Again, that's kind of what Toy Story 4 is about. Um, not culturally speaking, but on an individual level, because we have Andy's toys became Bonnie's toys. Bonnie is the new kid I from the end of Toy Story 3, from the beginning of Toy Story 3. I don't remember. All the toys are Bonnie's toys. That's what's important here. And um, they're not really fitting in the same way. Woody, in particular, who takes on a very primary role in this movie, um, I think to the movie's detriment because a lot of the usual supporting cast is not there, but he isn't adjusting well to his new position where it's like, he's not in charge. He's not the guy. And he's also not the favorite toy, but he's insisting on taking that role away from other folks like um, Dolly, who is like leading this like ragtag group of like closet toys that Bonnie owns. And anyway, so Bonnie starts kindergarten and Woody insists that a toy needs to go with her and decides that it has to be him because he's got a fucking hero complex and can't let things happen without his supervision. And while there, she makes a toy out of like a spork and some fucking pipe cleaner. And um, they try to integrate Forky into the group while Woody is sort of reckoning with what 
his deal is like where he fits in this dynamic now what he's doing with his life whether he's somewhere that he wants to be whether he's happy and um this is all thrown into a bit of chaos when they go on a road trip and they end up in this this like town with a carnival and woody crosses paths again with bo peep who people will remember from the first couple movies and um she is just living such a different lifestyle from him uh she is a very like independent individual like emancipated kind of figure where she's not tied down to having um a kid who uses her strictly as a toy like they're almost like freelancers where they go to where like kids are and they drive around and they hang out and she's got this like cool gang of friends and uh, she doesn't wear a dress anymore because fuck you guys. And um, I really kind of like the tension between that where um, Woody is getting this like new sort of perspective. And then within that, while Woody's trying to figure out what to do, he's also trying to get Forky back to Bonnie because they got like trapped in this fucking antique shop and there's a doll in there named Gabby Gabby who is trying to like harvest Woody's talk box um so she can talk and get a kid and be happy and leave this fucking store um I don't want to dwell too much on like an in-depth chronological plot synopsis I think dealing with this thematically might do us a bit more favors not just because I don't remember it as well as I'd like because it's been a couple weeks, but it's a movie that's wearing that kind of thematic preoccupation on its sleeve. So without further ado, Liam, what did you think about Toy Story 4? Uh, I thought it was pleasant, but I was, I was, I was, well, I was surprised to find that it was about as pleasant as a good amount of the movies we've done on this podcast. It, it fits really well in uh, this category that we found of of sequels in franchises that uh, feel like they're told after the fact of the like original idea. That doesn't mean after the fact of just the original film, but it's like it's after the original story has been told. They've come up with this this other idea, and they're they're gonna give it a give it a tell in one shot and see how that works out for them. So something like Jurassic Park 3, it's sort of a familiar story with some of the same characters you love from the earlier stuff, but it feels yeah. like the story has already been told and now we're just getting yeah. another episode in that tale. And um, yeah, there's thematic stuff happening here, just like I think there was thematic stuff happening in Jurassic Park 3 because you're dealing with characters and situations that have been created in the first place to tell a thematic story and so in using those characters again um it's going to be pretty easy for other themes to come up and so this isn't a totally hollow movie but it is a movie that didn't hit me the same way as the other films in the franchise and also felt a bit slight because it's coming after movies that uh, did so much for me um, and seeing these characters in a story that feels for the first time separate from the one tale that that I felt was being told from stories from movies one to three it's it's kind of a bit jarring um, this feels more like an epilogue than anything and so in in some ways this movie it did it did uh, strike a chord with me just because it was nice to see those characters again. But I'd say I'm more middling on it than I am enthused because it kind of disappoints me that there's now... I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be jaded. I don't want to say it disappoints me that there's a movie out there. I that, mean, like, we're, we're different people now. The same way. You're allowed to be jaded. Like, Yeah, I just, you know, I'm too nice is probably the problem. I'm just a nice guy, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I just don't, I think it's, I think it's awesome if those like 1 billion kids who saw this movie now have like a wicked Toy Story movie for them, but this doesn't really quite feel like that because it's not like the start of a new trilogy and it's also, um, I don't feel like it's telling a story that is as pointed as 
even like the first Toy Story movie, because when that movie came out, I don't think there was plans for a two and then a three. So it's okay that this isn't the start of something grand, but it also feels a bit more scattered. There's like a few different plots going on here. I feel like I can feel the eight story credits. There's a few things that feel like they're, they're being weaved and meshed together, and that doesn't always work for me. And so in general, me as a 23-year-old man who closed the book on Toy Story a little while ago. Um, this didn't get me stoked again, but it wasn't awful. What about you? Yeah, I think something that is kind of a natural byproduct of the kind of movies that we talk about is that when it's taking familiar characters, but that natural arc is done, the thematic preoccupations of the later movies kind of start to feel more pronounced sometimes because it's like, well, we have to do something different with this now, so we have to make it really obvious. And I think that's why um, every like, be, first of all, the movie is very Woody centric. This is about Woody having like a crisis, basically trying to figure out what it is he's doing with his life now that he feels like his main purpose has been accomplished and he's in a position that's unfamiliar to him. I don't know if that's the messaging that would register with people like us who are now like coming into adulthood only because I don't think that audience has had the opportunity to get in a position where they feel like they've accomplished something and might be moving on. I don't know if we're in an enough position to be experiencing that kind of change to register with that. And then aside from that, I think obviously it works because Pixar knows how to make a good kids movie. Um, so I don't mean to put too fine a point on it. Like this isn't good enough for young adults, but it's like, it's it's also not good enough for young adults. I don't know if it's focused on the right kind of things that become instantly relatable. I think you could maybe have a similar thing where it's like, Oh, did I go to school for the right thing? Or like, what am I trying to do here? But the way that Woody is straight having like a midlife crisis um, makes it feel, I don't know, like a movie written by dads or something like it. Mm. It's, it's, it's very pronounced. And um, that's not to say that it's a poorly made movie by any stretch. It's probably the best a Pixar movies ever looked. Um, the performances are great. The script's fine because I have an emotional attachment to these movies from my childhood. I'm still, you know, going to feel kind of sad at the right moments. I'm going to feel kind of moved at the right moments. They know how to get me still. Um, they've got me down to a science, but I agree that it just didn't hit the same way. And I feel like it lacks memorability that the other movies have. Like I remember Sid and I remember those like fucked up nightmare toys. And I remember that weird purple bear guy. And to be honest, I don't really remember Toy Story 2 that well, but let me make my point. Um, don't worry, I got you. Cheesy Dust from Toy Story oh, 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the old man repairing Woody. When yeah, in the out. airport fucking suitcase thing. Yes, that movie no, kicks right. ass. I take it all back. Yeah. I remember Toy Story 2 now. Um, I don't know if Toy Story 4 has moments like that. I really don't. And it's weird to have a movie feel like it's missing that kind of it factor. But the biggest thing I could take away from it was just because its themes were so prominent that it's like about transition points in people's lives and the inherent tension of change and resisting it. And it's like, I don't know if I wanted to see Woody have a midlife crisis and go like run off with Bo and like become an independent toy, right? It's just yeah. not something it's it's not something that wouldn't have necessarily happened on a natural progression, but it's not something I care to see. I didn't need to be told that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is one of the first times we've had um like a childhood attachment to a kids movie that we're talking about. I'm sure that's coloring our interpretation here, but yeah, we are adults now and like there's fun stuff in this movie, but um it just doesn't hit the way it, I'm sure it hits kids, you know? Yeah, and I, I would have to ask, you know, maybe my nephews or something. I should have done some polling before we recorded <laughs> this. But, uh, um, again, I had to leave my town real quick. And uh, <laughs> I don't know when I'll see them again. They'll be full-grown adults. But Clancy Brown waits uh, for no one. 
I'm wondering what it is that kids get out of this movie. I'm not sure they're going to resonate with the the Woody stuff. Um, I know I, as a kid, didn't care about Woody. I'm like a buzz guy <laughs> through and through. Um, and the buzz stuff in this movie is like is exciting and funny. Um, this movie just I, shows that Buzz is a really good friend, and Woody just could not give less of a shit, and it sucks. Like it's Woody, true. Woody is so deep in his existential angst that he doesn't recognize that he is like the greatest friends in the world. Yeah, and I knew that from the first movie, dude. When Buzz comes in, and all the other toys are like pretty cool with it, and Woody is just like so bummed out that someone's stepping on his turf. Um, Woody is just like kind of a wet blanket and that's that's his whole purpose really is just to like be lame and then be lifted up by the rest of the group and so I don't need to see Woody on his own and um, that makes me think that the stuff I enjoyed in this movie is probably the stuff that kids are enjoying and going to remember stuff like uh, the Key and peel stuffed animal characters and um, uh, Forky as a character and um, the <laughs> antique shop with uh, Gabby Gabby and the ventriloquist dolls being creepy. Like those I'm sick are... of ventriloquist dolls. Real quick, we're done. Ventriloquist dolls are fucking over. The moment's passed. We can't keep doing this. It's Every true. fucking it's, kid's uh... movie lately has had ventriloquist dolls in it. I'm fucking sick of it. It's true, yeah. Goosebumps <laughs> did it 20 years ago. And we're and then did it again. Like... Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, that's the stuff that's, that's going to stick with me. Um, but... Even then, you know, I think what sticks with me more is um, the the core group of characters from those first three movies, Rex and Slinky Dog. And I don't know if it's just because I became acquainted with those characters when I was a kid. You know, maybe uh, there are characters in this movie that kids are going to attach to in that same way, the Key and Peele characters. Um, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really not sure, but I know... The, what I got from this movie really was the little things, even though the movie was swinging uh, the theme bat pretty hard. It was uh, it, it was the fun stuff that that made me at least enjoy the movie while I was watching it. Is it's not going to make the movie stick with me a whole lot. Um, you know, I'm not over the moon about Forky, but uh, Forky's annoying. I'll say it. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I actually. Now that we're mentioning it, I do remember people talking about this movie on Twitter when it came out. I remember people going crazy about Forky. Like po- I didn't remember positive this. crazy or negative crazy? Yes, positive crazy. I don't remember. I didn't remember this before I saw the movie, um, but it's it's sort of coming back to me now. People were really popping off about Forky, um, <laughs> and and the themes that he exemplifies of like. Uh, uh, who am I? Even deeper existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. And um, yeah, I thought Forky was pretty annoying too. There were there were some moments that um, I thought were cute and charming, but mostly I thought he was. Um, there was something about the voice actor where it just it didn't it didn't hit me right. I think yeah. if he had a different voice, it might have it might have worked out. Um, you know, I can't really pin it down. But yeah, I wasn't over the moon about Forky um why'd, so they, why'd they have to make a girl forky why'd they have to do that yeah you like know. i just you know it's shit like that where it's like i didn't need this none of us needed this yeah it um <laughs> sorry there's there, there's actually a really great toy story short film uh that came out maybe five or six years ago called toy story of terror and it's all about bonnie um on a road trip and she stops in at a hotel with her parents a motel sounds like this movie so far yeah it's a creepy motel on the side of the road and it turns out that the owner of the motel is like stealing toys and selling them off to people and so the toys the toys i think realize this and so they need to escape the motel and they're climbing around in the vents and there's a thunderstorm outside it's like 20 minutes long, and it's really, really charming. It's um, really succinct. It's a really cute story about what these toys are up to after the events of Toy Story 3. And so it's not that I don't need to see these characters anymore. I guess it's just that um, I feel like the big stuff has already been said, and I'm perfectly content to think that this is all the toys are going to get up to after Toy Story 3. They're going to have little adventures that last like 20 minutes long, but it actually, uh, it just kind of, it, it felt like it was reaching to say something more. Profound. 
yeah, something. It also something feels found and I wasn't getting it. It feels almost. I don't want to say bloated because it's not that long of a movie, but I think you were getting at it where it's like it feels kind of stitched together. Like here's a bit of this draft of the movie. Here's a bit of this draft of the movie. Um, oh, totally. And, and yeah, then the we cold, get the really, cold open is really jarring with Bo Peep. Yeah. And then we get away from that for a while. I will say, um, to their credit, the cold open made me sad because I've never felt more sympathy for a fucking car in my life. That car, RC, mm-hmm. looks like he is going to die. Like, it yeah. is d- moving. I felt yeah. sad for real. But, um, yeah, I feel like I like Bo. I think what they did with that character is cool. If you're going to bring it back, you may as well completely reinvent the character right give her a whole new lease on life give her this like great sort of like confident i am who i am attitude give her like cool friends but i feel like we spend so much time there and with woody sort of adjusting to that um and trying to be like self-righteous about his need to go get forky and not spending time with these other characters enough that it it felt a bit hollow just because it's like, I want more buzz, right? Like I want more of the fucking potato heads. I want more of Rex. Um, and I know that that's at least partially, if not entirely, uh, my nostalgia talking, but at the same time, it's like, it's like you're saying about that short, like what we want, what makes a toy story movie feel like a toy story movie at this point is like toy antics and adventures and fun stuff and we get that but i'm not getting it with the people that i wanted it with and i'm not getting enough of it from those characters we get bits of it like buzz and jesse are working and they're fucking around in the rv so they don't leave them behind and it's like that's cute and fine but i'm just not as interested in like what the deal with these newer characters are i don't think any of them are bad i like them a lot i think duke kaboom's hilarious um I like a giggle McDimples a lot. Just a very tiny cop lady. Um, the key and peel stuff's fine. Like the, the Gabby Gabby, like redemption arc is kind of strange. Um, I don't yeah, know. That's a, I don't, that's, I think that's a bit of how the movie felt bloated to me. Was yeah. She was in there as well. I don't know why she was ever framed as an antagonist. Cause you could have made this whole thing. Shit. We lost Forky like totally and that yeah, would have yeah. worked it almost it almost feels like this is um like okay let's say there's there's eight story credits on this there so is. let's say so they collaborate uh we'll separate them into pairs i bet it, it feels like there's like this is like four of those 20 minute short films put into one big film and they looked at all four of them and they thought like what what big ideas can we put on top of all of this in order to make it seem like one coherent whole and so we got like forky's crisis we got gabby gabby's crisis we got woody's crisis and we've um, got like bo peep is cooler than all of you yeah which she and is so, to be fair like, yeah and so they put like all of those ideas together all of those different settings you know because we do have about four different settings in this movie and um it it, it does feel as if this is uh this was the studio realizing like yo we haven't had a Toy Story movie um, that would make us one billion dollars. They should have um, just done a short. They put shorts in front of their movies. Yeah, like slap a slap a longer <clears throat> than normal Toy Story short in front of Frozen Two. People would freak the fuck out. <laughs> but like, if you put out Frozen Two and you put out Toy Story Four, you get to make two billion dollars instead of one billion dollars. I know, true. but yeah. like. I don't know, man. I'm kind of sick of Disney's shit in that regard, where it's really starting to feel like... I mean, it's felt like this for years, but it's like, guys, you can't just keep doing this. When are we going to get fucking Cars 4, right? We've got too many Star Wars movies now. There's far too many wars up there. This was too much Toy Story. We're gotten far too many Marvel movies for my personal preference. Um, we're getting live action remakes of fucking everything that are actually animated movies. It, it feels like it's a side effect of that, but I feel like it's a better movie than some of those other movies that Disney sort of leans on to just make money over and over and over again. But I think it's falling into the same traps. That said, this this definitely has good moments. I think um, the bit about... Uh, 
Buzz not understanding what your conscience is. So he's like, oh, you have, you like listen to a voice inside of you? That's crazy. And he just listens to his own sound effects and they like yeah. guide his decisions. Yeah, that um, was my favorite bit. I and it's really super that. cute and fun. And there's that bit where like the mom is trying to get the toy to stop and he just keeps hitting his own button to try to figure out what to do. And it's just <laughs> telling him to leave and he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like that's kind of what I want out of these movies is like cute fuck ups and like weird goofy shit. And I just don't know if there was enough of that. There are moments that feel almost a bit like self-serious, but then you do get like Keanu Reeves as a Canadian motorcycle stunt driver, like jumping a motorcycle to make up for disappointing a French child. And I'll take that. <laughs> but like, And again, like that, that feels like a story that was like written separately. Like that's a sketch on someone's page that they bring into the movie. And like, I don't, maybe that's how all the Toy Story movies were written. I don't know the process, but here... The seams just, uh, they don't seem to line up as well. Well, I think we've had a lot of movies where there's like too many writers and too many story credits, and this is just what happens. I don't think, I mean, naturally, you know, there's going to be people that get story credits here, and none of their work ends up in the final. I know that. But it's one of those things where you can't have that many fingers in a pie and still expect a good pie. What you're going to get is like a mushed up fucking wreck of a pie. (laughs) That's like got somebody put pepper in it by accident. Um, somebody used salt instead of sugar for part of it. The icings are all different. Like you're getting like just a shitty mess of dessert. And um, yeah. I think this is a bit like dessert because it's familiar and it's nice and it looks very good. Super nice animation. It's incredible to see how far Pixar has come since they were on that like earlier computer animation train. Because I think in hindsight, Toy Story 1 looks pretty fucking wonky now. But it's a beautifully rendered movie. Um, It's fun. It's got its moments. But it's one of those things where I just keep coming back to, like, I don't know why we're here. You know? Like, did we need this? And I know, like, did we need this is presuming, like, an audience and a demographic. And I'm presuming it's us or older. And I know that's not fair. I'm sure kids loved the shit out of this. But... I can't help but wonder, you could do one of two other things where it's like, use the Toy Story brand, but like basically reboot it or put put like new characters in it, follow like the toys that were already Bonnie's with some lingering old cast, like refresh it fully or just do something completely new. But I think trying to put this addendum on it is what makes the movie feel kind of weird. Yes, yeah, I think so too. It's uh, these sequels, all these Pixar sequels, have a tough gig of trying to appeal to the the people who saw these movies when they came out. Um, yeah, typically kids, and they've grown up since. I do not you know? envy the task at all. I know it's not yeah. easy to write a movie that will please everybody, and I I'm cognizant of the fact that realistically, this movie was not written for us, and I don't begrudge them that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but th- even then, like, they, it is also written for us, you know, it, it, like, it has to be, they know that, um, mm-hmm. and so it's, uh, yeah, it's a tough bag, and they made a billion, so, like, I guess they pulled it off, and I bet there's plenty of people our age who this really resonated with, and, uh, like, obviously those four Where are they, though? Twitter feed, there <laughs> you go, but I don't know where they've gone, yeah, they've moved, maybe they've moved on from Forky, or they just, like, they have a poster of Forky beside their computer, but like there's more important stuff to tweet about nowadays. I don't know. I can't help, but like I, I wanted to have a part of a discussion where it's like, well, where do we think this stacks up in terms of like other Pixar movies? And I realized something and I, I don't know if this makes me like stick out from the crowd or whatever, but so I've seen a decent amount of Pixar movies like Disney Pixar movies, you know, Monsters Inc, shit like that. They don't stick with me very much. (laughs) Um, Like, I remember them, and I'm like, yeah, cool, nice. I know these people. I remember Mike Wazowski and shit. But I sort of came to this realization where I'm like, I don't know if I actually give a shit about these movies, not just as an adult, but if I ever really did as a kid. Like, I probably liked them because they're good kids' movies, but they didn't have that lasting impact. And I was wondering, like... Are you enough of a Pixar guy to like rank these or are you in a similar boat or what's what's up with that? 
you know, I'm I'm pretty much with you, Corey. I um I thought that I really loved Pixar because I know the name, I know I've seen a lot of them. I can probably list all their movies if I had to. That I haven't seen all of them, but I can list them and it's just I know that Pixar is like a huge thing for our generation and I know that I've seen some of them, so like I'm not completely uh, removing myself from the conversation like I am with something like Star Wars, but upon actually looking at the list, which I did before this episode, um, I don't have a strong connection to a whole lot of them. Um, Toy Story, I've told my story with. That's probably the biggest uh, franchise there that I've followed through. Um, didn't do much for Bug's Life. Oh, I liked, yeah. I, I really dug Finding Nemo. I've seen that a good amount of times, and I loved Finding Nemo enough to watch Finding Dory in the theater by myself. Um, oh, and I yeah. felt I felt pretty similar to with Finding Dory as to how I did with this movie here. Okay, not to get um, in really quick. I'm just realizing they've done way more of these sequels than I've realized. I forgot about all of them. Incredibles yeah, yeah. two forgot. Monsters University forgot. Like <laughs> Finding yeah, Dory yeah. forgot. And then, like, and what most, the fuck is, like, the good have. dinosaur? Like, what the fuck even is that? Yeah, that one uh, I haven't seen. Didn't and see it, Brave, it, it, like... It, it pretty much, yeah, th- those ones have kind of got lost in the shuffle. Didn't um, see Inside Out. I know people liked that, but I didn't see yeah, it. it. Inside Out was good. I, I checked that one out. I really dug that one. And that was the first Pixar movie that I saw in a good while where I was like, um, okay, this feels like it'll be for kids today what uh, a toy story was like 10 years ago it because you gotta you gotta notice that like all these movies that are being sequelized they came out like 10 15 years ago right they're mm-hmm. sequelizing movies for when we were kids to now see as adults but we're not getting sequels of stuff like the good dinosaur or, or we didn't um, get inside out too we're getting another original movie i know onward is coming yeah. out I, I don't know i don't give a shit like um i think th- it's just made me realize the degree to which this ship has kind of sailed for me where it's like i don't know i remember up being good didn't see coco i remember wally being good don't remember shit about ratatouille but the memes like i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like fair enough man fair enough um yeah i have some i have some attachments to those movies um ratatouille monsters inc is my big one and i will say for the record that i checked out monsters university in theaters and while i've heard from a lot of people uh when that movie came out and since that that movie didn't do it for them and it felt like that was toy story 4 to them it felt like extra and um it didn't feel as resonant i saw monsters university shortly before i graduated high school and was taken off and i thought that one was a really great like that one felt more like toy story 3 to me where it was appealing to kids and people who have now grown up with monsters inc and um is telling a story that lines up with the previous characters and so i really dug that one but in general pixar i'm kind of surprised to say is not something that i rush out to see it is kind of um movies that i watched because they were around when i was a kid and then once i grew out of vhs tapes um it just wasn't so much my thing like maybe i was too into horror movies to care much about <laughs> the animated stuff that was coming out but like wall-e i i didn't go out and see well it's a good time up, i saw up because like i had to go see it for school but i've never gone back to it and most of that stuff in between wall-e until inside out i don't know if i if I checked out and I'm in no rush to go see Onward. Um, and so it's just, uh, I mean, Pixar, it's it's out there. I, I very nearly okay. said to this conversation that one of my favorite Pixar movies was Tangled before realizing that Pixar did not make that film. <laughs> yeah, I feel uh, the same way about Moana. Did Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that, but I am realizing that one of my favorite Pixar movies genuinely is that five-minute short film where the old man challenges himself to a game of chess. Have you seen that? Oh, oh yeah, I have. I Incredible. Love, love that. Uh, That's a great one. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I guess we both just kind of had the collective realization that Pixar isn't as much to us as we thought it was, and that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Didn't, real, like... didn't realize I just kind of wasn't on that train like everyone else is <laughs> like it is like it's um 
Whereas I can opt out of the Star Wars thing because I haven't seen them. And I'm like, okay, if I, if I watched all the Star Wars movies, I would be included in that conversation and I would have a blast and it would be awesome. But now I'm realizing that like, maybe I would just watch all the Star Wars movies and like, I could talk a bit about them. Maybe and not I could like give rank the movies, but yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be that invested. Cause yeah, I've had, I've had some conversations with my friends where I've ranked the Pixar movies. I remember uh, I took a visit to New York City a couple years ago, and I was on a subway train with my best friend, and um, there was no Wi-Fi down. So we took out, like, an old napkin, and we just decided to rank the Pixar films. And, like, I was able to do that, and I was able to recall most of the movies, and, um, and that was fun. But when it comes to, like, actually getting deep into the Pixar movies like we are doing here... You know, I, I I wouldn't be able to do a backdoor Pixar cast. I could do a Flea cast, but but I don't know if I could. <laughs> we can do a Tim Allen cast, but we can't do a Pixar cast. Yeah, I don't know. I feel similarly. It's just it's weird. To I very suddenly feel like I missed some kind of boat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, everyone else was on a thing, and I thought I was kind of on the thing, and I'm realizing now that I wasn't on the thing at all. Um. I guess my last word on the subject is that I'm looking at these uh, Pixar movies on Google and I think when a bunch of them got moved to Disney Plus, they got like new posters that all follow the same template and mm-hmm. they're fucking terrible. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't take that. Uh, no, they're very bad. Like the logos are all white. There's like a splash of color. The background's white and there's like the protagonist and they're atrocious and people should be protesting. Um but I think that does it for us on Toy Story 4. I think we're going to go sit in a bit of existential angst ourselves because we've realized that we uh, maybe missed a boat here, which is a little bit bizarre. And then shortly thereafter, I imagine you're going to have to hit the road so uh, old Clancy can't pick up your signal. So good luck with that. I, I wish you the best of uh, luck and safety. Thank you. I'll keep you updated next week as to... Uh my state of being but not my location because um you might be listening vips only <laughs> that's true that's true um so thank you once again everybody for listening to another episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on twitter at they made another all one word on anchor spotify apple and google Podcasts, breaker stitcher and basically everything else as they made another one you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your personal ranking of all the Pixar movies. Liam, where can people find you? Well, as long as you're not Clancy Brown, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. My alter ego is Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, and my username on those sites is Graham the Mallow. Yeah, something tells me that alter ego is going to become very important, and I want to make absolutely clear that when I ask where people can find you, it's never meant physically, because now that is a danger to your well-being. And um, Thank you. You can find me on Twitter, at Mr. Corey Price, and uh, with that, we will catch you here next week for more. They made another one? <laughs>